2: Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook him up. 1019 AM 1260.
3: Shotgun, the Horn. Fabulous fifth hour, always uh, led off by the great Willie Nelson. Shotgun Willie.
0: Shotgun Willie. Shotgun.
3: He is uh, the legend, and that starts our, our fabulous fifth hour, which can be legendary at times. We've had some good stuff talking Playboy Mansion and uh, documentaries we think need to be made and have already been made. Also, our man Nick Shuley delivered the goods on the set list ATX. Some who said that in there? And in that set list ATX, Rod, we were talking about uh, – and you heard Greg Popovich talking about he's having to teach the game Funny of basketball house, to professional players. Yeah, uh, Ty, good, I just man. sent you this. Can I play this and you let me know when you have it, Ty? Because this is this is the crux of the biscuit here. This is really the situation. You you ask, well, why are the last, you know, five or six MVPs from Europe or around the world, right? Why are the best players in the NBA? Minus a guy like Kevin Durant. I mean, you can find the Dame Lillards of the world. But the young players that are coming in, I mean, they're not they're not as skilled, uh mm-hmm. on par and you got you got pop talking about it. Now Wemby is is who we're talking about, right? He played professionally in France for several years before he came here. Well, listen, this is the head coach of the Yukon Huskies Gino Ariema, uh the Hall of Fame coach, talking about what he sees in American players versus what we're seeing from overseas players, and it's a pretty simple but uh, troubling situation when it comes to American basketball, and I think you could apply it to some other sports too, including
1: baseball. I, I have a hard time watching high school kids play or younger kids play because they're more talented than ever. they're better athletes than ever. They can do more things than kids 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. but they're not better basketball players. Because this coach or that coach or that system has them playing six games on Saturday and they practice once that week. It's totally opposite of what they do in Europe where you will practice six days and you will play once. So you wonder why all these kids coming from Europe, they say, well, why are they so fundamentally sound? Why can they all dribble? They can all pass, they can all shoot. Doesn't matter whether they're 5'10 or 6'10 because they practice, they don't play games. Here, it's all about how many games are we going to play, and then are we going to practice this week? I just absolutely love it. There,
3: there you go. There you go. There's uh, Gino. Uh,
0: yeah, that's a good point because that's where you learn your fundamentals, right? It's in practice.
3: Well, you talk about it in football. Football is one of the rare sports where you practice a lot more than you play. Yeah. And, you know, this, you talk about where basketball has, in America has gotten off track. I would say in baseball where, where I grew up playing, my son grew up playing, it's the same thing. You go to these tournaments and you're playing baseball all day. We, they didn't ever practice. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember when I finally put allowed my son to get into travel ball, which when he was 12 and he made an all star team in a rec league. And I said, OK, if you make an all star team in a rec league, then we'll yeah, start talking yeah. about traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, up until yeah. then, it was just Let's, we're going to We're
0: not going to do because there are people traveling when they're six and seven years old. It's these unbelievable. Days. It's no, I got friends who doing it. And I'm like, this is crazy. You're going to starting <laughs> from Houston to Dallas, San Antonio. <laughs> I like, hated what?
2: that. I, it, yeah. it made me no. quit baseball to travel.
3: Yeah, no, and it's ruining rec leagues uh, all over because you can, don't even have rec leagues anymore because there's no kids playing them, and the kids that are don't even know how to play baseball. So it, it's a real problem for that industry and basketball too, I think, because yeah. it's all about select and it's all about the tournaments. And Gino R.E.M. is dead on. It's six games a day on a Saturday, and then you know you don't practice much at all. And I think we see the result of it. Uh, and the European players are much better. Baseball, same thing. And when, when I was doing with my son, I was like, you know, look, you know, you're, no one's giving you a college scholarship when you're 11. You know, I always always say this about Major League Baseball to to parents. Like, what are you, why are you why wearing this kid out when he's thirteen? This, what do you think? Baseball has a five level minor league system. They want a raw prospect. Yep. They want exactly. to develop them. They don't want your worn out kid.
0: Yeah. That you've been you've been um, putting in eight hours a day with. It, yeah. I mean, it no, they, they really don't want. They want a guy that's actually a kid that's played multiple sports.
3: Yes. Multiple sports, right. and they want to see him compete so in multiple sports. Yeah. Well, look what they're, we're talking about this morning, the Hall of Fame class, Todd Helton and Joe Maurer. Yeah. Uh, Todd, Joe Maurer was, an all, was a great quarterback, a great basketball player, and a great baseball player. It
0: expands their athletic intelligence overall. Sure. Like they don't get ways. worn out or
3: burned out in one
0: thing. That's true, too, yeah.
3: And but, those three guys are, I mean, I don't know, not everybody's going to the Hall of Fame, but Joe Mauer could have picked any sport he wanted to because he played them all. Yeah, that's the other part of baseball and basketball. Kids choose that sport way They're too specializing early, specializing too much. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Way too
0: much of that. You go look at the, the NFL drafts; what I paid attention to, but NFL draft more and more, you're starting to see guys who played multiple sports in high school, and you start to see NFL scouts consider that.
3: Sark talks about on like the recruiting that. trail; he's yeah, really like into that. that. They're looking yeah. for multiple sports stars. Yep. Remember, Sark was a baseball player. Mm-hmm. Sark was baseball and then got into football at junior yeah. college.
0: Bill Walsh talks about Bill Walsh talked about his term was athletic instincts. He said, I'm looking for athletic instincts. He said, oftentimes when in scouting, you find that from a player in your sport playing a different sport. Yes. And it, <laughs> a a, 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 a D lineman playing basketball. And Sark talked <laughs> about, i have
3: to find that. It was an interview with Craig Way when they were at Pluckers for doing a, a coach's show, and he was talking about, he's intentional about I, not only do I want to see them playing other sports, I want to see them competing. Even, if, if it's their second or third sport. Mm-hmm. But they're still out there busting their butt, and they're being yep. a good teammate. Um, you know, they're, 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 their primary is football, but, man, they're out there on the basketball floor giving it. Talk about Colin Simmons, right? Colin Simmons mm-hmm. won two state titles in football but won a state title in basketball, and he was a big part of what they do. You want yep. those kind of competitors. Uh, track and field is another one that uh, is big for, for coaches to see them out there. So, you know, it's one of those – it, it, there's not an easy answer and the industry of youth sports has corrupted because again what happened in basketball and baseball is that it, it became an industry and a job for a lot of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: it's, you know, those select leagues pay a lot of people good oh, money no doubt. <laughs> to, yeah. to to travel yeah. and you know, yeah. get equipment and gear and coaches. And does it make you a better baseball player when it's all said and done? Does it make the game more enjoyable? Yeah. I would argue no, cuz all I wanted for for Nolan my son was to make the, I wanted to make the high school team. Let's get to where you're going to make the high school team. And he did. He played four years of high school baseball. And, you know, at that point, if you can perform, you'll go off and play beyond high school, which is great. And a lot of his teammates did, which was really cool. Um, but at the same time, you got high school. You got people out there telling these kids. I actually saw a tweet from a high school coach here in Texas talking about how these, these, these factory teams are telling kids, yeah, yeah. You, shouldn't uh-huh. yeah. you shouldn't play high school baseball. You shouldn't play high school baseball. It's yeah.
0: going to ruin your game. You should go play with us. It's yeah, like, come on, man. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Nothing like playing with your teammates. That's how it is in, in
3: soccer.
2: With. Soccer is the worst about that. Like, well, nope. soccer
3: was the first. Soccer was – because soccer – well, when I was – I mean, I'm 50 years old now, so I know when soccer – when I was in high school, Rod, we didn't have a high school soccer team.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's, you're right. Good point. So if, if you wanted to play soccer, you play the club. Yeah. And the, the, club, the best
2: players I went to high school with, all the kids that played college, they were, all, they didn't, they, they were banned from playing for their, for their high school team.
3: Yeah. And that is because it started club before it was high school because mm-hmm. in the state of Texas they didn't have high school teams. Yeah. And, you know, so club was what started it, and then the high schools came along with, the, with their programs. But what happened in baseball and basketball is they had plenty of high school teams, but the, those, it, those sports kind of borrowed what soccer was doing. Uh, to create the industry that we're yeah. talking about, and you know, it's not—it's not all awful. It's not completely terrible, but it's certainly to to gino Ariema's point in basketball, you're not developing fundamentals because you're never practicing.
0: No, and even in the game, and I sent you another clip actually, uh, Ty. I, I DM'd it to you. See the Kobe clip that I referenced to, sense the very similar. His take as as also as to why the young basketball players' fundamentals are suffering, um, which is, has a trickle-up effect, if you will, a domino effect. And he talks about how the players, and I said this about football, that if you watch football a lot of the times, the fundamentals suffer because fundamentals don't make highlight reels and they don't make sports center. They, right, the, just, making a, just making an open field tackle isn't sexy, but you make an open field hit, you get a kill shot. You knock a guy out, then that's, great. that's why you got guys who are lunging at ball carriers, not wrapping up, not bringing their hips. They just want to lunge at them because that's what they know about a highlight real play. Listen to Kobe. This is the late, great Kobe Bryant talking about how he thinks this, the sports center effect is what I call it. But it's also hurting fundamentals in basketball, too.
4: In my day, everyone knew the game. That was just you. Or do you really think it's gone backwards in that way? No, it has. I mean, you know, our development in USA basketball, you can can just look at that on the surface and the difficulty and the challenges that we face in playing international competitions. So when I grew up and growing up overseas in Italy, I was very fortunate because I caught the teaching time in Europe. So, you know, the Red Holtzmans, the Tex Winners, and all these great coaches at the time went over to Europe to teach coaches, have coaching coaching clinics of how to train players. So when I was growing up, I caught the fundamentals of that game, right? Pau Gasol, Manu Ginobili, you know, same thing. And so you look at our, the difficulty that we have had in international competition is because these players learn how to play the game and think the game at all levels. Pau Gasol, just as comfortable handling the ball as he is in a post. Marc Gasol, right? You look at San Antonio Spurs and the way that they move the ball. Um, and so we have to do a better job you, developing you, our players.
3: All right. I mean, yeah. it's the same conversation. It's frustrating. Yes, but you, it's hard to change the industry at this point. It's so far down the road. Um, you know, and parents are told from, you know, the thing I said with baseball, because that's my knowledge base, Rod, is, you know, if you want to listen to what I'm saying and say, I don't want my kid playing travel or select, try to get him in a rec league. I mean, I know like Oak Hill still has a really strong rec league, but they're fewer and fewer. Like Because, you know, at a young age, they pull them kids out of the rec league which rec league is where you go sign up for 100 bucks and you play. Just play. Play.
0: Just want to play. Yeah. Get reps. Just playing. Yeah. But yeah. the
3: rec leagues get dilu- diluted and really just decimated by the, the select. And so if you're a parent and you want your kid to play baseball, you really don't have a choice. You don't really have another option. Uh, I would argue that you should, if you invest money, especially if you're traveling, uh, I, would, I would invest in, in hiring coaches. Like, like specialized coaches who will train them and, and just do reps, do practice, do work, do that kind of thing. You know, try to, that's better than the traveling thing that you're doing. Yeah. Um, put that money into a, to a coach who will develop that talent, and then when they get into to older areas where they can play in another rec league or play uh, in high school, high school, they can do that and then yeah. get on the tournament teams and kind of things. But just, that flies in the face of the momentum that parents are dealing with right now. Same in basketball. Um, you know, I do think – I don't know the football youth industry as well, but I do think there's still a lot of practice that goes on at the top yes. Warner levels. A yeah. lot of practice. The only
0: thing happening in the youth football is now you have the camps that are set up by a lot of these uh, – sometimes they're set up by like shoe companies <clears throat> and these different uh, elite 11 camps sure. things of that nature. And there are middlemen that can get involved that way with the young guys and form relationships. But they still – they don't have – like, the, the rec league issue. I'm oh, sorry, the rec league issue, but the uh kind of, yeah, just the the, the culture that bas- basketball has. Seven on
2: seven's are. a lot like that, though. I, I played, like, club seven on seven growing up, and it's it, very similar to – I played on one AAU team, and it was the same kind of vibe where you're, we went to Dallas every single weekend for a seven on seven tournament. And it was the same – I, you know, yes, I know – You know, same kids teams up there Do we? I
3: know you also played in the Westlake uh, – Pop Warner leagues and those are very organized and they're very structured and it's very you know teaching teaching uh, to teaching environment.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. My my dad is uh, I think up until last year was still like the president of the Westlake Pop Warner League and was coaching a, a few years before that and he he's done with kids. So, like it's a very yeah. it's a very then they up until I mean I mean recently they they started implementing like the same when Todd Dodge came here they run the same offense as Todd Dodge did. <laughs> like it's it <laughs> goes smart. down to second graders running the Westlake offense. Which I think is pretty cool. I mean, it gets you gets you ready and um, to where when even when you're in middle school, like you you already know what you're doing. The fundamentals that we're talking about.
3: For sure, absolutely, which is what the foundation of any, any good athlete is, right? As Gino Ariema said in another interview, I, saw, I said, hey, you know, we're all good – you're all good athletes. I wouldn't be here looking at you. You're mm. a good athlete and a good player. I want to see the fundamental part. I want to see you know, how you treat your teammates, what kind of uh, leader you are, those kind of things are what we're going to yeah. try to recruit. Same thing, the other, you know, real downside of what we're talking about is there's just a lot of people that can't afford to travel and do those things. They're not no. going to – so their kid won't play. Yeah, uh, because it's just become you've been priced out of it. And, you know, that's why there's great leagues like RBI baseball here in Austin. That's trying to, you know, allow inner city kids and, and you know, kids that can't afford that to have a league to play in and those kind of things. That's unfortunate because there's a, a lot of and even with select basketball, that gets really expensive, Rod. I mean, don't if you're a father out there listening and you know that your daughter your daughter's in select volleyball. Yo, travel volleyball is not cheap, my friends.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't, I, it seems like that, that football can avoid it because football doesn't have – it's just weird the way it's set up. Like, you can do 707, but that's not football, actually. No. You know, yeah, like, no, it's no. a 707. It's not actual football. And football is one of those sports, and I'd say, I think female sports are a little bit different. But the sports you're talking about with the, kind of the AAU culture, you can find your cash cow there. Like, if you get a young man who's going to be an NBA player in the first rounder, that's your cash cow. It makes everything worth it. Your five, six years of putting it in it makes it all worth it. If that guy, if you can link yourself to him, you're good. Nike's going to be contacting you. All the coaches are going to contact you. The NBA will hit you up. The agents will hit you up. Hey, you're the middleman now. And baseball can be very similar because those guys can go straight from high school to the pros. Or they can take one year and go to the pros. With the NFL, there's a, there's a little bit of a wait. And you got to wait on that young man. Go to college. And there's a chance you may lose that connection. Man, and, and baseball, with baseball, with soccer too. You may get your cash cow your ticket right now. Yeah. No, 18, think, 19 years old in the league. Yeah, in soccer, right
2: you can that. get it when they're like 14. They get yeah. signed to the pro team earlier 100%. than that.
0: Yeah. See, football, you can't you can't, you can't, get, you can't, cash in on that cash cow as early as you can with those other sports. because it, it sucks, but unfortunately, that's what a lot of these AAU organizers are looking for.
3: Yeah, well, and it's a job for everybody, all the adults, too, as yeah. part of the deal. I get it. Yeah. I know people who do it, and I'm glad. I mean, it's part of it, but you can't argue that it's not having a detrimental. I talked to our friend Gene Watson, who's with front office with the White Sox now. They talk about it all the time. Uh, Gene Watson told us that they take it to, with baseball to such a point that you know, they, they take a lot of kids off their board that are from the South who play year-round baseball from, from a, before they're teenagers. Well, because of injury? Well, yeah, just they're because worn of, out. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, mm-hmm. we'll just, you know, if we're going to take a, a player from the United States, we're looking for more Northeastern type of players that they want a raw prospect. The season or more. They're looking yeah. for a great athlete that they can teach to play uh, and really develop the skills. They don't want to uncoach things. They don't want a worn-out kid and those kind of things. And a lot of those kids just burn out or get hurt. Uh, you know, arm injuries for teenagers or through the roof. If you talk to orthopedics, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, and, again, there's a lot of people doing it right. I'm Because this is not one of those blanket yeah. conversations. Because we're getting texts from coaches who coach travel ball and preach discipline and fundamentals and IQ. That's true. It is. But it, it, we also know there, aren't, there are a lot that aren't doing that. And to your point about the cash cow and Nike coming, when you say there's, we found our one cash cow, well, that – what about all the other guys that were playing basketball that aren't the cash cows? Right. It, did, they, did they get to develop? Probably not in a good way. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, and you know the, the, the genders, right? The male thing, you know, there are a lot of guys I know whose, whose daughters grew up playing volleyball who earned a scholarship, either in softball or volleyball. So there's a financial gain to that. That's true. Uh, but the, 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 the scholarships are a lot more available in female sports than they are in male sports. You know, yes. the got the dad out there who thinks their kid's going to get a high school baseball or college baseball scholarship. You know, the, the, that's a brand of a roster of thirty guys splitting under twelve scholarships. There's not a lot of money in college baseball for scholarships now. NIL's now here, but at the same time, we right. all we all agree early specialization is a bad idea. It is. Um,
0: they don't play. Just they don't play whatever. Sport early
3: year-round play is a bad yeah. idea. If they're
0: if they're not going to be an athlete that's a high-level athlete enough, high-caliber enough athlete to earn a scholarship, uh, you focusing and specializing <laughs> them at eight or nine years old. I don't know if that's going to make the I, difference. I
2: wasn't allowed to play anything besides football for a long time. And I loved basketball. And it just, I wasn't allowed to play.
0: Nice. Yeah, because as a, as a youngster, you should have joy when you're playing sports. Like, you should start there. Like, I, I just have fun. I have fun playing this sport. Well, and but, then we can work on everything else. Well, remember
3: we, we uh, played the sound a couple, of years, a couple months ago of Patrick Harrington, the golfer, talking about you know, teaching young people to play golf. Yes. And he talked about you know, the, minute, the minute they get tired of it, take them home. The, yeah. You don't want them out there dreading it uh, you, when they're young. The minute that it's not fun and, you know, ju- you just want them to enjoy the game. You want them going to the golf course to be – they can't wait to get there. Exactly. Uh, because they get to hit the golf ball. But, you know, too many parents go out and make them play five, round, five rounds of golf or, you know, a whole 18 mm-hmm. holes and – and then you get sick of playing, and because golf's really hard. It's the uh, joy, man. And these sports we're talking about are really hard. Yeah, have joy. Have joy. You know, playing, especially at the very youngest of ages. Uh, I'm not talking about once you get old enough to understand what's going on. Exactly. You, you have personal choice on those yes. kind of things. And then it's probably up to you to go hit the range yourself when you get to be 13, 14, 15. You put in the time. Uh, but good conversation, and it stems from Greg Popovich talking about he's having to, you know, go back to being a, a fundamentals coach. Yeah. And you also asked the question why – are foreign, you know, foreign-born players dominating the NBA right now? That would be a really strong reason why Kobe Bryant, That's Gino Ariema. Yeah. And, um, you know, they come in ahead of, ahead of the game. And we know Kobe Bryant was always famous for saying, you know what, one of the reasons, I knew I was good, but he just talked about his European teaching. You know, he would get up and do a workout at 4 o'clock in the morning, then he'd go back at before lunchtime, and then, then he'd do it in the evening. Mm. And his theory was if I'm doing three workouts a day and you're doing two I'm over here. time, I'm, I'm passing you. Yep. I'm lapping you. Mm-hmm. I'm getting in three a day. You're getting in two. I'm beating you.
0: No, the the, the Shakespearean sad, unfortunate irony, that's why he got the helicopter. The, <laughs> no, it was because the, the traffic in L.A., it kept him from getting to all of his appointments and to his workouts because he was working out, like you said, three times, three, four times a day, and he had, he's like, I don't have time to sit in traffic. Well, I got to get to where I'm going and – I mean, that's why he got the helicopter.
3: Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. it was they were going to a, a basketball game tournament for his it was daughter. Like, yes, yeah, mm. for for his daughter. Terrible. Yeah. Still, hearing his voice makes me sad. I think um, a lot of people. I still remember
0: where I was when, it, when I got the news. It, I was sitting in this room me. we're in right now. I was at Doc's backyard. It was because it, it I want to say it was right before COVID. It was one of the last times we went out before COVID.
3: It was it was or January. It, it was like, like last. Right it, it,
0: it was like one of the last times me and my wife were out before COVID. I remember that, and she's like, "Kobe died," and I was like. Why you, Why would you say something like that? That's crazy. Don't joke about stuff like that. She's like, no, it's on TMZ. Well, and I,
3: like, uh, and I know that uh, where we're sitting here in our Onion Creek, South Austin compound, uh, there we're in our in this main room. But I was I was in this hallway, and I have a blue room here, Rod, the music mm-hmm. room. Yeah, and I read it on my phone, and I just sat down in that chair right there. <laughs> you
0: right.
4: You, I went, what? Yeah.
3: And I kind of sat there for like 30 minutes, and I was just kind of scrolling, trying to find more information. It was just like hard. It brought
0: you, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's amazing how that happens. You don't think like the the loss of an iconic figure in your era. sometimes? Sudden- yeah, but it did. Just kind of, it, it did. It hit me the same way. I like well, didn't, I didn't had, even eat my food. I was I mean. just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that is horrible. And then you hear
3: that his daughter was involved. yeah, just, it like, was terrible. Your hearts it. Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. Because I mean, those moments. We know nine eleven, and you know, Uncle. I remember being at Saint Ed's in the Oklahoma yeah. City bombing. You know, where
0: were you when this happened?
3: Yeah, Magic Johnson. I was. Oh, I was in the, uh, wow. the the mess hall, the cafeteria, where we ate yeah, at Saint Ed's. We uh, lived one. in the dorms. When I walked in on this big television that they had and, you know, Magic Johnson's making his declaration of HIV. That's
0: a good point. O.J. Simpson.
3: And the place was full, probably (laughs) 200 people in there, and it was silent. Oh, yeah. It was silent. And no one – Everybody stopped getting food. Everybody just was staring at the television trying to figure out what they just heard. Yeah, because back Magic in the Johnson. day,
0: people didn't have phones, so we would – if there was a television anywhere near – that's why the O.J. Simpson thing was big. I remember people would find a TV anywhere it was. You'd run into a store. You'd run into a diner yeah. or whatever. It's like, oh, I heard that O.J. version is coming on. And you'd sit there for the 30 minutes and wait on whatever it was. So that's why the O.J. thing was big because I remember people's reaction to it. Not only the O.J. bright white Bronco chase – because that lasted so long, you had time to get somewhere. we like, you heard what's going on with O.J.? It's like, oh, man, what's going on? And you go there, and then Houston Rockets fans know this all too well because the Rockets were playing.
3: Yeah, I, 100%. I told you I was in Wyoming. I didn't know anything oh, about right. it. Oh, right. I <laughs> didn't know anything about it. You, you and was on I was the like, ranch. Where's, where's my <laughs> basketball game? Uh, but that was that – was I mean, oh. and it's so funny how – because I remember with the Magic Johnson HIV thing, because that was when we, we thought he was just going to die. I mean, that was it. He's yeah, we well, at the time dead.
0: we thought HIV was like a death sentence. Yeah, well, that was. The we way. thought you get AIDS, you die. He's we had. Dead. We didn't know anything about it at Magic the time. Magic Johnson dying. Yep. yep <laughs>
3: exactly. And but you know now when something like that breaks, you know we don't just sit and think about it. They, we go right to our phones. We and squirrel. Start Tweeting out. Tweeting yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Tweeting out. Uh, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? It's crazy how times change. But we remember impactful moments like that. Oh, and Kobe man. Bryant was absolutely. I want
0: to say the O.J. verdict. That it was a like Saturday
3: morning, right? It was a Saturday morning.
0: Yeah, it was, the, uh, the OJ, the Bronco Chase. No,
3: no, the Kobe.
0: Oh, the Kobe. Co- yes, because it was. We were having. Uh, we went there for like lunch or something. At Early Doc's. lunch, yeah. And I remember the the OJ verdict. It, wasn't it happened? I say it was I was in school. I, I want to say it was like the other day and I was in school when the verdict was announced for OJ. I was in kidding.
3: college. I was at Saint Ed's, and so, so I, I want to say maybe I was. We a, all stood around and watched it. We,
0: yeah, I want to say the teacher turned it on. I want to say the teacher was like, "We watching OJ, y'all." So I don't care what y'all do. We watching OJ because remember the trial? It was one of the first trials to ever be televised
2: yeah it started that that tv trial trend really it
0: did it started court tv i
3: believe Mm -hmm. but you know what's funny about that is we just talked yesterday about tanya harding the the harding tanya i tanya if you remember the end of that movie while they're wrapping up the show and all the craziness if you look at the tv screen in the last scene they're showing the beginnings of the oj simpson thing you're right so you could argue (laughs) kerrigan harding was the first yeah you're that, that soap opera uh, that's a good point. Uh, and all that was going on. And right on the heels came O.J. Simpson.
0: Yeah. And wow. they didn't have a trial for the Kerrigan thing. It wasn't like a real trial because all of the defendants and all the people, they were doing separate stuff. And between that and right. then
3: O.J., that, that started live TV, right? The idea of you – what know,
0: the 24-7 news cycle was like- where they started. Like Before that, I don't think TV stations were thinking about a 24-7 news cycle because they didn't have enough content. Yeah. They're like, well, you know what? We don't actually need news. We just need something salacious enough well, that they, they can build it up to news, and that was Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding, and that was O.J. Soap opera. Yeah, Soap operas and exactly. trials, right? Yes, exactly. Uh,
3: would blow up, and yeah. it's funny. They, they 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 bridged one another. They did. Uh, the, the Harding. You're right. The I,
0: saw, I, I watched it last night, and you're right at the end when he, he says the media left right before he went to jail, and he said, and on the TV was the O.J. like They were following him <laughs> up to the residence, and I guess Nicole Brown had just been murdered. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. And that was it. And, uh, you it's know, crazy. the other part of that is we went from just network news to cable news. So cable news took over, too. That's why they right need about the content, that time. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you got 24 hour cable instead of just a 30 hour local nightly newscast. All right. A lot of uh, varying conversations, but all good ones for sure. Uh, where were you when kind of thing? Uh, coming back, though, well, where were you going to be today when you hear that Jim Harbaugh? is the new head coach of the L.A. Chargers. Hey. Could be coming down at some point, any moment. Uh, we'll get you details of that, plus Rod takes behind the burnt orange curtain and the ripple effects of that Harbaugh situation, if and when it does happen. Coming back, him Up with Ian Rod.
2: Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook Hook'em Up, 1019, never AM 1260, horn. The Horn. Beats all you never saw, man in trouble with the law since the day.
3: Uh, everybody weighing in to so, say so we watched the OJ verdict in school. Mm-hmm. What I watched in school was the uh, Challenger explosion. Uh, I saw North that. Shuttle.
0: Yeah, I think. It, oh, yeah. Man, that
3: was when the, the space. I mean, we were down in Houston, so it was big with that. I don't know if I watched
0: that live. I think I've seen it. I might not been too young to watch it live. Oh, it was like one 80, of those
3: traumatizing things because. It, 80,
0: 83 or 4? What is it? 83 or 4. 83
3: or 4? Early 80s, right? Yeah. So I was in middle school, and they. Uh, Yeah, was- like and we was in Houston, so NASA's a big deal, and um, yeah. space programs a big deal. So they like that was one of those when they, they would wheel in the TV on the big cart
0: mm-hmm. and
3: turn the lights off, and oh. let's all watch this. And we're all sitting there going, "Bugger!" Do they have to
0: explain this to y'all after?
3: They didn't know what to say. The teacher I mean, didn't know what to say. You got to help them process. You, well, you just she tried. I mean, uh, they just
0: roll it back out and be like, "All right, kids, back to the lesson." <laughs> like, what we just witnessed, we got to process this.
3: Sorry about Sally Ride.
0: <laughs> right. That, a was, teacher. that was, you're right. That was, I, man, I forgot about that, yeah. Um,
3: that's, yeah. That's, that was not cool. That's sad. terrible. That's it's tragic. It was very, it's hard. I don't
0: I, know what your teacher what you say after that. How do you go back to the lesson? You just I witnessed. I
3: think we did. I think we just sat around and talked about it. I yeah. Mean, cause it's teachers, probably the best thing to do. teachers were as traumatized as, as we were. I mean, Yeah. Because they were wanted to see it because there was a school teacher going up in space. That's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That was very sad.
3: That was a sad day. All right, so we'll we'll lighten the mood. And, yeah, sorry uh, about that. No, for sure. I mean, we've talked <laughs> Texas men's basketball all morning long. If you missed any part of those conversations, we'll podcast it. But really good stuff about Rodney Terry's team and how they've turned it in a week. They were uh, sinking fast and kind of the uh, target of nationwide criticism for Rodney Terry, but it does seem to have galvanized this team and they found some rotation chemistry. And uh, how about Kendall Weaver stepping in? That guy that guy needs to stay on the floor. He had 28 minutes last night. When he's on the floor, good things happen.
0: Yeah. No, he's, uh, he, he's he provides you a lot of hustle plays, too. Got, got some of that junkyard dog in him. He that does. Dog.
3: And he's quick to the rim. I, one thing I like, because they had a lot of the jump shooters on this team that like to shoot threes. He likes to go to the basket because he's not a great shooter. Uh, he likes to take it to the hoop.
0: Got three offensive boards, too.
3: Yeah, which I like a lot. And he's a quick That's... leaper off the floor. Mm-hmm. He can get to the basket, and that just gives you a different dynamic in the backcourt because those guys are being told to close out, close out, close out because you've got to close out on Max Asemus. You've got to close out on Tyrese Hunter. Dylan DeSue can stroke it from three. Uh, but that guy will go right by you if you try to close out and get to the rim, which I like. He is really a, a nice addition and, you know – as uh, our, man Ty, our, our man Nick said last hour, BYU is, is taken. they got beat last night by Houston. Uh, that's a beatable team uh, on Saturday, which would give you three straight. And then you got Houston on Monday night, which would be one of those marquee yeah, it'll be Monday big. night matchups. If yeah, if
0: you win, basically, BYU, and you got a three-game winning streak going on versus ranked teams, that's going to be – yeah, that, that'll be a doozy. Uh, yeah, Kendall Weaver, he had 28 minutes. You say 11 points, four of eight field goals. He had three offensive rebounds, an assist, a block, and a steal only one turnover. Uh, and got to the free throw line like you said. He's not afraid to go to the rim, so he ends up going to the free throw line four times too and it was 3 or 4 from the free throw line. That's a hell of a way to fill up the stat sheet. I mean, that's productivity right there. Well, that's he, 27 minutes of 28 minutes <laughs> of uh, of hardcore hustle.
3: And he jumps off the screen because he's just hustling everywhere. You yeah. know what I mean? Just one of those guys. And let's uh, 86 was challenger. Thank you very much. Appreciate hey, okay, that. I know it
0: was a 86 earlier. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh,
3: very yeah.
0: Like I said, I was too young. I was like six years old, so I was too young to remember. But I've seen it, and it's yeah, it's still.
3: Sad. Yeah, see it live. Uh, when um we go behind the Burn orange curtain, Rod will talk some Texas football, but real quick on Jim Harbaugh, the other the other top story of the day, in addition to Longhorn basketball, is that what's coming with uh, Jim Harbaugh? Mike Garafolo, I'm watching the NFL Network right now. We're kind of waiting for the report. But Mike Garofalo Garofalo from the NFL Network reported overnight that the L.A. Chargers, on a second visit with Jim Harbaugh, made an extremely strong offer for him to become their next head coach. And uh, he says that they're within striking distance of securing a deal. And the negotiations to the point of talking about who would be the general manager and who would be on the coaching staff with Jim Harbaugh. And it could include several coaches from his own staff at Michigan, including uh, his defensive coordinator, Jay Minter, um, Jesse Minter Jesse yep. That's a good
0: player That's a good move uh,
3: And then possibly his own son Jay Harbaugh Who coaches the special teams
2: and the special teams Did not look too good In, yeah. in, in those uh, Playoffs At least in the it Alabama almost cost,
3: game It almost cost him The Bama game
0: Hey, hey. Nepotism baby Son is coming Family's coming Alright I told y'all yesterday Dad's going to La
3: La Land I'm going with
0: him Nepotism runs rampant In the NFL I think 11 out of the 32 coaches Last time I checked Were related to a former Or current uh, Coach in the NFL
3: so yeah.
0: you know. Yeah, and all his son. Bella's just got his son on the staff too. At least he did. He's gonna bring him wherever he goes. He's gonna bring him too.
3: Yeah. Well, it's just you know. I don't think. I think if you did the same deep dive on most industries, you'd find this very similar thing. You
0: would, no question.
3: That uh, broadcasting's not a lot different. Um, you know, it's just just it's, it's you know you're, you're saying I'm gonna help 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 you open a door, but no, at the same a, time it's a
0: family business for in a lot of ways. But I mean, not everybody don't necessarily you know everybody doesn't merit those that'll they, merit those opportunities, but. It's okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there are bigger conversations surrounding that conversation, but not to be had this morning. So That's we'll, true. We'll, we'll watch Jim Harbaugh and where that goes, uh, looking like it's going to happen. And obviously, what will that mean for Michigan? I'm of the opinion that very quickly they'll name Sharon Moore the immediate head coach. But, you it's know. Probably
0: it's probably the best course of action, just so you can have this. After little, watching what's happening at Alabama. Yeah, to stabilize things or try, anyway.
3: And by the way, I did see an interview with Kalen DeBoer on, uh, on Paul Feinbaum. And, you know, everyone's freaking out at Alabama. And Kalen DeBoer said, you know what, I just did this two years ago at Washington, and this is much better than that. Like, essentially, his whole roster left when he got to Washington
0: <laughs> when yeah. Jimmy
3: Lake was let go. Well, it happens
0: every time. Yeah. It happens every time a, a coaching change.
3: And, and essentially, he's Kalen DeVore saying, you know, I, I just did this two years ago when I replaced Jimmy Lake and lost a lot of good players. You know, we're losing some good players, but we're keeping a lot of good players at Alabama. Well, <laughs> and he's a guy
0: – listen, eight. In terms of their roster uh, this past season, going to the Plot's World Playoff, I told you guys, they they didn't have a five-star player on that roster, not one. They had more three-star players on their roster than Texas had four-star players on their roster. That is not the typical roster you see playing for uh, championships these days. So he's a guy that's always, even going back to his time at Sioux Falls, always did more with less. Um, So I guess you want to be optimistic, glass half full. Him there in Alabama, that's still probably the most talent he's had on a team ever. Yeah. Even with all and the that's attrition, that's what he was saying to find mom, <laughs>
3: right? I'm like, man, like, yeah, I'm losing a bunch of guys, but I'm keeping like, a bunch of really good dudes. He's
0: like, These guys are still better than what I've been working with the last few years. So he, he's a damn good ball coach. He's going to win games. Is he going to win Nick Saban level games? No, nobody he ever will. Anybody? Exactly. That's
3: why it's a job I would not take. I'd be like, come on, man. Yeah. Those are shoes that are impossible. To, uh, to maintain. And then you don't want
0: to live with the regret as a coach. That's right. Not taking that job and, you know, not betting yourself, not believing yourself enough. If, you don't, if, you don't, if you're not going to take the job, take the job because you don't want the job. Don't take the job because you don't believe you can't the shoes.
3: Yeah, and don't take it out of don't – don't, 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 fear. Fear. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't not take it out of fear. Yeah,
0: don't take it out of – don't not take it out of fear. If job. you don't want the job, don't take the job. You know what I mean? But I think he, that's what he had to wrestle with. I, I think in the end he was like, you know what, I'm bet on myself. If I screw up, oh, and I, I, you know, I'm terrible – Oh, well, I'll go back and I'll, I'll build it up all over again, because he's built it from it's like the billionaire that goes broke, and you got you got to get back to a billion again, so you're like, oh man, you can never do that. Hey. T-Bone Pickens did did it, all right? Multiple times. Get Uh, back to a billion. I don't know if he went broke, but he wasn't a billionaire. He
3: did. He He went to zero a couple times. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about it more. Coming up before the top of the hour To be what's popping. What's popping. Including I have uh, just sent Ty the two Sports Illustrated covers we're going to put out today on our Instagram because in honor of the demise of SI, Rod, I've got my whole collection of old Sports Illustrated covers, and we'll put out a couple a day. And uh, they're vintage. They're vintage. Uh, at the, and today's are an honor Tyson of Mike Tyson was cool. Yeah, there's a Mike Tyson one. Cool. I'll be sending them as we go. This one, these two today are in honor of the NFL's playoffs, which don't include the Dallas Cowboys
0: playoffs. <laughs> we'll
3: have that. Uh, you'll be yeah. looking for that on Instagram. We'll put them out. Let's go to behind the burn orange curtain, though.
1: And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind that curtain?
0: All right, Longhorn fans are still buzzing. Late yesterday, actually, late, late in our show yesterday, uh, the news broke that the Longhorns were getting another transfer portal acquisition in Tia O'Ali'i Savea, Tia O'Ali'i Savea. Yeah, I'm going to say it enough times, I think I'll get it right. But he is the defensive tackle from Arizona, and uh, coming in With a lot of – he's got some connection with Johnny Nansen. Johnny Nansen actually, who's the newest co-DC here at Texas, was formerly defensive coordinator at Arizona. Um, He recruited – uh, Savea out of high school so they have a deep deep uh, kind of long existing relationship going back to high school prior to his time there in Arizona together so he knows how to use, how to utilize Savea he also knows his strengths, his weaknesses you just needed another proven commodity, you needed some proven depth on that interior defensive line and after losing Murphy, after losing Tavondre Sweat, uh, thank God you have Alfred Collins coming back so at least you have Alfred Collins and Vernon Broaden as your proven front line guys. You can add in now Savea. It's going to be a drastic shift uh, from having the luxury of the deepest defensive tackle room in the country two years ago with Murphy, Sweat, Colburn, Ojimo and Collins to last year having the best D-tackle duo in the country between Sweat and Murphy and now nothing against Collins and Broughton. Not sure if they're going to be you know the best D-tackle duo in the country. You're certainly not going to be the deepest D-tackle room in the country and you lose what's called the best D-line coach in the country in uh, Bo Davis. And we still don't know who the D-line coach is going to be, but you needed to get another proven uh, Talent, a proven depth piece in the interior D line. And Severa is talented. He's a guy that can, he's only got four starts, but he can line up on multiple shades on the defensive front. That always helps you in terms of disguise, in terms of your matchups. He's also a guy 6'4, 305. So he's not huge, but he can play, like I said, multiple shades. So if you need him to play, you know, over the nose, you need him to play a uh, shade in a one technique or in a zero technique, just situationally, I think he could do it. Ideally, I don't know if that's his strength. All these guys, they have now kind of three technique guys. Maybe a Sadir Mitchell and Aaron Bryant. Those guys step up and they take their game to the next level. They take a leap. I mean, they can be ones to uh, kind of occupy that inside zero to one technique for the nose tackle technique. But Savea is a guy that can manufacture depth at multiple positions. Now you got three guys that at least you know are proven that can be in your rotation of interior D linemen. You still need another one. And I think you ideally would like someone who could Play the nose tackle. At least that's what they do. They, their expertise would be, be playing the nose tackle. You don't have that, but I don't think they're done. With acquisitions uh, on the defensive line You got another transfer portal window Happening in the spring uh, We don't really know in terms of the late, the next recruiting uh, Next signing day I should say Maybe something could happen there Jim Harbaugh if he does indeed leave To go to the LA Chargers We know there will be a 30 day window Where the, roster, the Michigan roster will be able to seek The transfer portal So maybe they have some options They have one of the more talented rosters In all of college football So there will be options for Texas But maybe those options will be tougher to pursue If they don't have a D-line coach Right now they don't have a D-line coach, so I assume the D-line coach has to get handled first, and we don't really know exactly what's going on there. Rod Wright... Uh, At one point looked like he was the focal point Or at least the front runner for that spot And things have, reports have died down Some of the buzz has died down about that So not sure exactly what Sark is Thinking or what he is pursuing, who he's pursuing For that defensive line coach position But at least that D-line coach, whoever um, He is will have Savea, um, Alfred Collins And Vernon Broughton as uh, Proven pieces and you just have to make sure That whether it's Sadir Mitchell or whether it's Aaron Bryant or whether it's one of those other young guys That you, you you know you can develop those guys into being rotational or you know guys you can depend on to be rotational players for you.
3: Uh Jere Bledsoe another guy to watch for. Draymond Bledsoe's another. that's a good point. Yeah, they do have yep. some guys but yes I mean you hope is on a strategy and you're not you also don't have to Bo Davis as you said to you know you you could guarantee Bo Davis was going to get these guys to their ceiling yeah. uh you know the new guy whoever the new coach is might be the same. But you just don't know because you've had – we've seen the difference in coaching. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Pretty dramatically. No question. Uh, From – what was his name? Herb Hand to Kyle Flood has been pretty dramatic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Big. Yeah. (laughs) Then the players are the ones who were saying it too. They were the ones throwing it out there that, oh, man, Kyle Flood, very different coach. They didn't want to say better. They just said very different. But I think they meant better. Well, I remember we did. We
3: (laughs) we had – who was it? Who was the, uh, the great big offensive lineman who switched positions a couple times? Super nice guy. Uh, came in, he was in studio. I'm trying to think of his name. He played like five or six years at Texas. Uh, he played defensive line for a while. They moved into offensive line. But it kind of flourished in his first – he played one year for for, for Kyle Flood in, in, in Sark's first year.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, the name I is – I think you know who I'm talking yes, about. I do. Yes, but he, I do. But
3: he said – you know, he was very candid. He goes – and there were times when Kyle Flood was would say, he was teaching you to do what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why?
3: He was telling you what? <laughs> Which is like that's so funny. like uh, uh, huh like a, like a you know a like, really good coach going huh I wonder why he would tell you that that doesn't I mean, make sense at yeah, all <laughs> about,
0: and usually a coach can he can a, a rationalize and he can even understand a, a different technique a different coaching style um you know a different philosophy coaching yeah because every coach has their own uh, things they emphasize right and prioritize as a coach. But when a coach is just bewildered and stupefied by why you would even teach that, that's – yeah, you may be talking about something lost in translation there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the coach is He's scratching like, his head uh, going. What? So, yeah, no, no, I, I, I think for that, – that'll be the question. Whoever's going to replace Bo Davis, as you pointed out, he was, he was a proven commodity. You had been able to depend on a breakout campaign from one or two of those interior D linemen you know, the last two years, and you got it. From Ojemo and Colburn, then from, My- from Murphy and Sweat. I think Collins came back with the hope that he would be the one to have the next breakout campaign under Bo Davis. Bo Davis leaves. He still can have that breakout campaign. He and Broughton, but uh, you don't have the Bo Davis resume and, and Bo Davis clout um, that can help I reassure Longhorn fans that you're definitely going to get that product. So whoever the D-line coach is going to be, um, they'll have a, a task on their hands because you'll go from the D-tackle room being the strength of the, uh, the team. To being probably the biggest question mark on the team.
3: Yes, uh, for sure. Uh, and we'll see. And we you know, we, we talked about that in receiver when the portal first started. And now they've got three new receivers on the tight end that's come in. And so you're not as worried about it. Um, but, yes, I mean, it, it, and, and the fact that there isn't a D-line coach yet and that maybe the Rod Wright thing didn't Something happened. pan out.
0: Something happened. We know um, that now, right?
3: No, yeah, something happened. Like it's, it's pretty obvious. There something... was an interview, and there was a conversation. I was told, and you know that you got to hire the right fit. And uh, uh, if you don't feel like it's the right fit, then you move to the next, and uh, you open the open the conversation. But either way, I, I do trust you know, Sark's track record on hiring coaches to his staff has he's, been very, very he's strong. Done a
0: Great job. No uh, need to doubt the man now.
3: All the way to Johnny Nansen, right? Johnny Nansen coming in, leaving as a defensive coordinator to become the linebackers coach. Um, That's you know Sark is building a pretty pretty solid staff because they know that it, it's hard to. To, to, it's not hard to recruit at Texas right now. It's hard to recruit against Texas right now. It's
0: a, it's a place where the coaches want to be, too, it would seem. I mean, you, he's able to get these uh, – Brendan Marion was a fast riser, so a short choice, fast riser. Uh, they, coaches want to be here. Chris so. Jackson. Chris Jackson, another guy. So that's that's a good thing for Sark. Hopefully he can, he can bring uh, the, the the best D-line coach available, Tope Amade.
3: Tope Amade. Is he the, the lineman? Yes. Yes, he okay. was the one. And he was a delightful guy. Yeah, he's a
0: real smart dude. Super great guy. Real smart dude.
3: And, um, you know, he, he, he was the one. I was like, yeah, they're telling you what? <laughs> what are they teaching you? He's the well, that he... doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we'll come back. When we do, uh, it'll be, who? Uh, what's popping, Rod? What's popping? What's popping to wrap it up and uh, tell you what to be watching for tonight, including all three Texas NBA teams and what the uh, Sports Illustrated covers we're putting out today will be in honor of the demise of the great Sports Illustrated publication. Hook em up with Ian Rodman. The
2: Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new horn text line 512 447 3776. That's 512 447
3: 3776. What's
2: poppin'? You Brand pill, new whip just hopped, you just hopped in. I got oh, yeah. options. Just I can pass that like stocking.
3: Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. All right, it's what's popping, and Ty is going to put out two new covers of Sports Illustrated vintage covers that I have in my collection, Rod. Oh yeah, including one from 1984 with uh, Jack Lambert, the great Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker on the cover oh, with the man of the man of steel.
0: That's a good. That's a good picture. I like that one. It's a
3: mean look. And then man. this one. This is an honor. That's an honor. of The NFL playoffs because uh, that was the time the Steelers were dominating football. And this one from uh, circa 1989, March 20. It's a, it's a picture of Jimmy Johnson on the cover. says, Dallas begins the long climb back. And he's standing on a stairwell around a – it's a pretty cool picture. It's crazy. What Jimmy Johnson must do to rebuild the Cowboys. Was that 89? Yep, March of 89. <laughs> wow. And the other cool thing is after you left yesterday, I started thumbing through. It's, it's the cool articles. There's oh, Jared, Jared Jones and – uh, and, and Honestly, Jimmy,
0: I, I think some of the uh, the ads are cool. Oh you <laughs> got like, old cigarette ads. Cigarette in there and stuff.
3: ads like, yeah, you don't yeah, see yeah. cigarette
0: ads no more man. <laughs> I think some of the ads are pretty cool too. It's such
3: a walk down memory lane. Like, yeah,
0: it's like a, a time machine. It's like sent back to a time capsule. Like and it was sports the great, time and capsule.
3: It, and the great Paul Zimmerman, uh, from Sports Illustrated, uh, one of the great NFL writers of all time. He wrote the story. Big changes in Big D. New coach Jimmy Johnson, and his game plan calls for a different brand of Cowboys football.
0: Different brand, man. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Which a lot of Cowboy fans are hoping for, wishing for right now.
0: Well, you're not gonna get a different brand. You're gonna get, the, <laughs> you're same, gonna get literally the same brand you got last year. Twelve wins and a disappointing playoff run. I mean that's they haven't changed anything. Nope. Dan Quinn probably will leave, so I don't that's probably gonna hurt you actually. So you may get it even more disappointing. We'll Played on then.
3: the Harbaugh thing. That'll be popping today, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, Vrabel, that, that there's some buzz and that could be some Vrabel news and at the Panthers, or at least the odds have Vrabel as the, uh, the best odds to be the Panthers' next head coach. So watch out for that.
3: Yeah. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on the conversations surrounding uh, those coaching moves and what the Falcons are going to do. Tennessee's made their decision. By the way, Tennessee made an announcement today, Amy Adams Strunk, their owner, mm-hmm. that uh, in, the, in, the, in the wake of the firing of Mike Vrabel, Rand Carthon has been promoted to, like, team president. Like like she's put out a statement saying that he's been so impressive since he's gotten here. Damn. So
0: she's giving him basically all control. He's taking control. The only person he answers to is her.
3: Yes. And he oversees the, he oversaw the hiring of Brian Callahan. So here's her statement over the past year. Rand has impressed me and our staff with his innovative approach to roster building. Rand's exceptional reputation around the league as Italian evaluator and culture builder was a clear competitive advantage during last year's free agency and draft process. Uh, Simply put, Rand Carthon makes Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans, a destination location.
0: I mean, she chose Rand Carthon over Mike Vrabel. 100%. And she basically decided, even though Rand Carthon had just gotten there, that in that power struggle, she was going to choose him over Vrabel, even though she chose Vrabel, uh, his power struggle with the. Previous GM was a John Robinson, I believe was his name. Yeah. So yeah, she likes this guy, and that's why they fired Vrabel just because Vrabel's a good coach. But she admitted Vrabel and, and my and she didn't say this, but I'm paraphrasing Vrabel and GM don't get along. And I'm taking the GM.
3: Yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, and you know, I think they're, they're when 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 the news broke yesterday that Brian Callahan is a Brian Callahan.
0: Yeah. Bill Callahan's son. Bill
3: Call- I always think of I can't think of I can't say anything. I the just, name can't Callahan get the nothing.
2: Bill Callahan days of the Cowboys. Yeah, my head remember this whole situation is my terrible. dumb
3: brain goes immediately to dirty harry i think of callahan dirty harry <laughs> what about
0: callahan's there's a lot of callahan's, callahan's general store <laughs>
3: but i think of dirty harry right clint eastwood yeah, yeah you're playing detective Callahan yeah about
0: that yeah good point
3: um, but so brian callahan but you know i'm assuming that was an underwhelming hire in tennessee and you know, with the fan base so i'm assuming this statement today through adam schefter is like hey we, this is why we're doing this. Oh, you know,
0: good point.
3: Yeah, I think this is PR.
0: That's, that's a great point. Yeah, because that hire didn't go well. Even I, I was like, well, considering all the coaching candidates that are available, that's an underwhelming hire. Yeah,
3: especially for the love that that fan base had for Mike Vrabel. Yes. Like you went Man, on, you the moved, people. You moved on from Mike Vrabel to Brian Callahan, an unproven 39-year-old assistant. Come on now. Um, at least Mike Vrabel's proven. If you give him the right roster, he can win with it. So I think this was some Amy Adams-Strunk PR and uh, you know me i'll always root for the adams to fail so that'll just be that's far for the course <laughs>
0: yeah something in, love, in the love you blue you can't you know, just can't root for that franchise that organization M- my
3: feelings towards their, too much. the adams family as an old oiler fan rod who were my first love is like it's like cersei lannister it's like they no, nothing bad enough can happen
0: to them <laughs> <laughs> wow man you brought up this Cersei because every time she used to wake up, she had violence on her mind.
3: Yeah, that's, I don't think about that about anybody else. Yeah. That, but, <laughs> but, but Adams and his family. kind of <laughs> hatred.
0: Oh, man, that runs deep. That I runs wish deep.
3: demise. Well, that's, yeah, that's, how, that's how it cuts. You know what I'm saying? You stole my team.
0: Yeah, they did. They did. But that's all right because now things are looking up. Why? Because D'Amico broke the curse when he beat the Titans in Tennessee. years later. Yeah, but they were wearing the lovely blue uniforms. And remember, the reports are up there. That that's when um, Amy Adams struck That's when she lost it. That's when she decided Vrabel, you're done. After they lost to Case Keenum, a backup quarterback in the Texans, uh, first year head coach in Tennessee, when they were all wearing the love you blue uniforms, and remember that Mike Vrabel was wearing the Bum Phillips cowboy hat. Ah. I mean, they thought they were getting ready to roll the Texans, and D'Amico pulled off a miracle, baby.
3: I think that's part of why Mike Rebel got fired. because lost that game. No, that's
0: what people say. That one of the theories is that that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, and she decided, "I'm done with this dude." He you lost win, to that you gotta team. You got to win that game. You got to win that game, man. My lot of trash talk, the petty man. My dad's mad. <laughs> he's rolling over in his grave.
3: <laughs> well, hell, hell, he drafted Vince Young despite the despite Houston fans and yeah, against the objections oh. of his head coach and his and his you know offensive coordinator.
0: That is, oh yeah, man, bad blood. Bad and, blood.
3: All right, we'll keep an eye on the Jim Harbaugh thing, Rod. We'll also yes, keep sir. an eye on some NBA tonight. All three Texas NBA teams are in action. All at home. Dallas hosts Phoenix in a good one with Kevin Durant in town. San Antonio hosts Oklahoma City, and the Rockets get Portland tonight as part of a busy NBA slate. Got some college hoops tonight as well, and uh, you know, it might be a good night to—it's about time—Netflix and chill and stream something.
0: Oh yeah, I'm gonna watch Maestro tonight. Ooh, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. It's on there watch, watch it, it. too. That'll no, be like, time. yeah, I want to start watching all the the best picture nominees.
3: Yeah. By the way, I did watch the first episode of a new show on Showtime, Rod, called "Woman and Woman in the Wall."
0: I've seen previews for this. Is it is it scary?
3: Supposed it, to be. The first episode was great. Okay. it's based in Western Ireland.
0: Oh, okay. I'm and gonna have to check that out. It,
3: it was compelling. I'll DVR. First episode in. I'm I'm ready for the next one. Okay, I'm a DVR Woman tonight. in the then. wall. Showtime.
0: I'm in. It. I'm in.
3: Don't know anybody that's in it. I don't know any of these actors. The it's, writing's good, though. The writing's great. There you it's go. in conjunction with the BBC, so you know nice. it's gonna be good. All right, we'll come back uh, next next show tomorrow morning, six a.m. Every hour of this show, podcast at hornfm.com. Thank you all.